How's this for history? The sisters are going to win gold together. The Olympic champions, world champions, world record holders. They defend their title and they break the world record. Well done, Australia. Two gold medals on the opening night. The winner is Sydney. Australia has won the gold medal in the women's sevens rugby. Yes, she did get it. I was right. Pearson is the Olympic champion. What do you think we come here for? Silver? Stuff the silver, we come for the gold. This is a famous victory, a magnificent performance. What a legend. What a champion. Mesdames and messieurs, welcome to the Sitting on Our Rings podcast. I'm your host, Brendan, and I have no Trent. <laughs> this episode. It's a very special episode, actually, and, it, and not just because Trent's not here, of course. Um, well, that is pretty cool. No, I'm only kidding. Um, I am joined today by, uh, look, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, um, my favourite player in in my team, the, the Brisbane Bullets, um, who I've been volunteering for for almost five years now, um, Jason Kadee. Uh Jason is a boomer in his own right. Um, he's also got bit of an Olympic pedigree um, within his family, but I, I won't spoil that. I'll, I'll wait to, uh, to speak to Jason so he can tell you about that himself. Uh, but yeah, I just I thought I wanted to do something special to celebrate uh, the Boomers' historic bronze medal win on, <laughs> on Saturday evening. And it's... People know who listen to this show, I, I've spoken about it in previous episodes, obviously, how, how desperate I was for the Boomers to get that breakthrough win uh, for a medal. Uh, at the Olympic level, um, they've been so close so many times before, so close at the World Cup as well, um, and just always finishing on that that fourth, never been able to get over that hump. And history was made on Sunday night, where where our, our guys over in in Tokyo got that got that bronze medal, <laughs> and you know the the country was just so excited and you could have sworn it was a gold medal i mean honestly like i posted on the page for the podcast on my personal page at the time um it's a bronze medal but it for us it's as good as gold it really is um it can't be understated how big a deal it it has been here in this country um legends like andrew gaze openly weeping on television um about the win and and yeah so of, of to mark that that moment in time and history, I wanted to talk to someone um, close to it, um, someone who can share some insight into what the guys uh, were going through, uh, you know, the, the lead up to getting there and, and also, you know, his stories from, from wearing the green and gold himself. So I'm going to stop rambling now and uh, we're going to have a chat to Jason Kadee. Welcome to the podcast, the one and only Jason Kadee. How are you, mate? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Very good. Um... What a, a, what a week to be a what a week to be a basketball fan. <laughs> what a week to be a basketball fan in Australia, hey? Yeah. Um, the Olympics came at a pretty good time, I think. A lot of people doing it are pretty tough at the moment. Um, stuck at home, so on. We had most of it stuck at home, so I think um, just brought a bit of joy to a lot of, especially basketball fans. But I'd say it brought a lot of joy to just people around Australia uh, in a tough time. It did actually. I, I mentioned this with my co-host Trent on a on one of the episodes we did during the Olympics. It it was funny, like in a lot of media and just people talking and stuff. The the week or two leading up to the games, everyone was really skeptical, and you know a lot of people, oh, it shouldn't go ahead. They shouldn't be doing it. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, you don't understand the money involved, and they have to do something. Like you know, they, they've already way you know they were way in the the black uh, as it was. So. Um, yeah, I, I, it was funny though. It, what happened is what I was hoping would happen was the second that flame was lit and the sport started, everyone jumped on board. Everyone loved it. It was all anyone talked about for that 16 days. It was, it was really nice. And, and the fact that Australia did exceptionally well, um, probably didn't hurt so much either. Yeah. I think it's one of those things too. A lot of people, 
I think we always put this day and age, well, if, if why isn't everyone doing what I'm doing right now? If I'm stuck at home, they should be stuck at home. But I actually, I'm actually of the belief that I think it, it'd be even worse if that was the case. So I think like even, I know rugby league and AFL gets a bit of a, a flogging from people saying, oh, how come they can do this? How come they can't do that? They can do that. But I actually, I come from the point of view, yes, I'm a sports person, but I feel like if they just stop that, if that stopped, if horse racing stopped, if all these sporting things stopped, I actually think the play, the world would get pretty dark pretty quick because it'd give you nothing on TV. You'd have nothing to watch for those who do like sport. I just think it would... It would turn in a weird place where at least with those things still going, it kind of, for me, feels like at least there's some normality. Normality, and yeah, I think exactly. That, that's what the Olympics brought to us, I think. We just were able to sit there and watch something that we do every four years. This, yes, it's the time it took five, but I think it just brought a bit of normality in terms of we're sitting here watching the Olympics, watching countries compete. Yeah. Um, and also, people don't understand, too, uh, what those guys like they did test every single day for the last eight to ten weeks those boomers boys while they're away and all that stuff like whatever protocols they think yes they got to play sport but whatever protocols people think they're under compared to us it was probably worse so yeah (laughs) i think a lot of athletes as much as they would have loved competing i think it was a pretty tough time due to all the rules they were under yeah look you're exactly right i i don't disagree and i'm I mean, I I wasn't skeptical, but I was I was worried that you know what would happen if if there were cases that started popping up in the village while the games are going on, what it would mean, yeah. you know. But but thankfully, it seemed like that was avoided, and and I mean there was there was little bit of talk of it happening, but it seemed to you know they they seemed to catch it pretty quickly and 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 deal with it the right way, and and thankfully it didn't kick off. It it all sort of. For this sort of game, for what it was, it, it kind of went off without a hitch, which was really, really nice. Yeah, and I think that was good to see. I mean, like, whatever your take is on COVID and whatever, it's 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 obviously it's around and everyone's handling it very differently around the world right now. But mm-hmm. I, I think it was nice to see, especially Australian athletes, be able to go over compete and mostly from what I know, come home. Um, A-OK. So I think from, from that standpoint, in that setting, um, yeah, you've got to give them credit. They did a pretty good job because we've seen uh, how quickly it can spread in different circumstances. Yeah. It's it's funny, you know, 12 months ago, people were, with the Olympics, people were thinking, oh, when it happens in 2021, we'll be we'll be over the COVID thing. And then the Delta variant popped its head up and and the rest is kind of history, I guess. But um, look, while yeah. while we're talking Olympics, I don't. We won't bury the lead. We'll 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 go straight into the to what happened with the Boomers over there. And and like I said in my intro, um, you've actually got some Olympic pedigree in, in your family. You know, I mean, you're you're a Boomer yourself. Um, and actually, that's something I wanted to touch on because I, I read something the other day where it described you as a former Boomer. I I mean, I don't want to speak on your behalf, but I personally don't see you i mean i you're a boomer kind of like when you're olympian you're not a former olympian you're you're an olympian for life you're you're a boomer um you know you you're still playing for the boomers when the opportunity pardon me arises so how do you kind of see that uh yeah i don't really care to be honest what people say um i guess it might have been said because i wasn't in this squad but um i've been in the boomers programs for since I was 17 years old. So that's 12, 13 years now. So mm-hmm. I think, I think a lot of the reason, and I talk, I was talking to someone not long ago about the even NBL. And I think like I've been around for so long. So people all of a sudden go, Oh yep, He's about to wind up. He's almost done. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, he had, he had a bit of a down year last year. That's because he's getting old. I like, I only just turned 30. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, most people hit their prime in their like early thirties. Like I just, I think it's funny people's perception. And sometimes I guess, especially in the Australian market, uh, some certain, uh, I guess media people, they, they love the, the new person, the, the fresh, the fresh person, the person who just shows up and maybe has one decent year. And sometimes I sit back and laugh and think, well, I've averaged that for the last seven years of my career. But anyway, well, you, but, have, um, mate, you haven't had a bad year since you've been at the bullets. I can tell you that. 
Oh, I, I wouldn't say that so bad. You might be being nice. I think maybe not bad, but I think I've just I've let myself down in a few areas. I battled through some injuries last year, but yeah, I think, the an- it was the ankle, wasn't it? Yeah, I hurt my heel really bad um, about halfway through the year after yeah. I rolled my ankle, and so it just had some dramas. But I think it's one of those things. Like people can say what they want, and the whole boomers thing. Like at the end of the day, I. They can say what they want, but I know where I, I stand in Australian basketball at the moment, and I have a lot of respect for people that are named in squads, and, and it, it all is based on who the coach likes at the end of the day. I, I see so much uh, people talking, oh, how did he make it? How did he make it? I can't believe he made it. It's not a it's not a talent show at the end of the day. Like, whoever the Australian coach will pick who they think is the best player for their team. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, that that's part of it as well. And so I I – struggle to say I'm a former boomer when I wouldn't be surprised if I played with the boomers considering I just got a email not long ago asking if I wanted to go play in an Asia cup. So I, yeah, I'd say there's chances there if I want it. Um, but yeah, it's, that's how it goes. As, as I said, I have a little bit of a laugh sometimes when I see, um, how much they're loving someone after having five good games. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Cause to, to me, I mean like the boomers squad, to, you know, an outsider looking in it, it's fluid, like it's always changing depending on the situation. Um, and, you know, with the Asia Cup and like the qualifiers and stuff, and, you know, you're not going to have your NBA players play in those games. So, and I mean, to me, it's not even a B squad. It is just, it's the boomer squad, but it's fluid. It changes depending on the situation. So, yeah, when I was reading that, I'm like, former boomer, I'm like, I wonder how the players actually, you know, because there was this whole thing recently with the Olympians being called former Olympians, they're like, no, we're an Olympian for life. Like, we've always got that title. And to me, it's it's kind of the same with the boomers. It's like, you're a boomer. Like, once you're in that team, no matter what capacity, you no one can take that away from you. It's it, You're a boomer. That, that's yeah, just how I, it is. Yeah. I think the two, like, I don't, like, if, I, if someone says to my dad, oh, your dad was an Olympian. They don't say, oh, he was a former Olympian. Like, you, if you're an Olympian, you're an Olympian. Exactly. Yeah. Like I just yeah I don't think you can really especially for something that that um on that level and I think the thing is too with the boomers that the the boomers program isn't like it isn't what it was forty years ago thirty years ago twenty years ago everyone was playing in Australia twenty years ago mm-hmm. there was maybe one or two guys playing in the NBA Luke Longley and now and and, and question mark you know guys for a year maybe like yeah like, you know what I mean there was. Just, there was only a select few playing overseas. Even in Europe, they're all just playing in Australia. Mm-hmm. Now, with the way the world's gone, the way people have seen overseas, the way Australian basketball seen because of those guys as well, it's expanded. Mm-hmm. So timing is a is a thing of all that. Like, for example, I had a decision. To, uh, when was the Com Games? Two thousand eighteen. Twenty eighteen. I want to talk about that later, but yeah. <laughs> I, I could have – I had – do I stay and play the Com games or do I go to Slovenia and play for the last two and a half months of their season and try to win a championship with the team who was on top mm-hmm. and get paid? Like, I'm just trying to put a point of – like, there's such – it's such a different world now of, yeah. like – and most people take are already overseas or take that. Now we have guys in the NBA – they obviously can't play all those games. We had Delhi and Thon come back for that one um, that one round. We're now part of Asia. We used to just play New Zealand three times. Yeah. Beat them going. We're now we play Asia with things like it. The whole landscape of that whole program has changed so much that it's not an A and B team. Like it's the boomers playing every time because at the end yeah. of the day, if – the the boomers team doesn't win the Asia Cup or doesn't win the qualifiers to make the Asia Cup or doesn't do well at all that stuff. We don't play at the World Cup. We don't play at the Olympics. Yes. And I think that was the thing from the inside, we all knew that. And I think that's where the the culture of the boomers has broadened because you your Patty Mills and your Joe Ingles and, and and Bogues when he was in, they they kind of they understand we're doing a bit of the heavy lifting in terms of okay, a lot of us won't get the chance or what like a lot of guys didn't make the squad for the World Cup or the Olympics that trained and played in all those games, but they also they were so thankful for the work we'd done 
to get us in a good spot at the World Cup, which then leads to the Olympics. And so I think that's where it's changed. It's not like the games we play in are just a regular, oh, yeah, we're just going to China to play a three-game series for no reason, which we used to do a lot of. Yeah. It's now actually meaningful games that if we don't do well at, there is no Olympics. There is no World Cup. Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, And with, with this bronze medal that, that the guys won on, on Saturday evening, Again, <laughs> honestly, mate, I'm not saying this to blow smoke up your ass or anything. This is just me as a, a supporter of the Boomers and a fan is how I personally view it. Um, I hope that, you know, that you guys who have been in those squads feel just as much a part of that bronze medal winning team because to me, you're all part of it. Because like you said... You know, you didn't win those qualifying rounds, Asia Cup, World Cup. They don't qualify for the Olympics. They don't get the opportunity to play for that bronze medal. It's kind of like your, you know, your relay team in the heats compared to the relay team in the final. The the, the guys that if they get swapped out in the heats, they still get a medal. They got them there, and and that's kind of how I view it. Like to me, you're just as much a bronze medalist as say soaps. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, and I said, I'm not saying that to pump up your tyres or anything, but that, that's just personally how I view it. Yeah, and there's an element of that. And I think, like, I think a lot of the guys, like Kicks, uh, Mitch McCarron, like uh, Hodgie, there's a bunch mm-hmm. of guys that play, like Glizzo, there's a bunch of guys that played through all, like, when it, we went to a camp on the Gold Coast 2017. Mm hmm. We then we had a week camp, twenty four of us or something like, that, maybe even twenty of us, and then we went to the Asia Cup for the first time. Didn't really know what was going on. Didn't know the process. We were away for about a month. Had the best time. That was, was in Lebanon, maybe, wasn't it? Yes, it was maybe yeah. the best trip I've ever been on. The group was awesome. We had so much fun. Played really good basketball. We won the Asia Cup, which was actually the first ever FIBA medal that was won by a men's team. Mm-hmm. And then from there, like a lot of that group stayed pretty similar through that next, I think we played 12 qualifying games. There was one window we didn't make. Uh, a lot of us couldn't play in because it was around the finals time, I think. Yep. And so they took a, a kind of a, a way different group to what it had been. But there was like a lot of us that played every window, the whole qualifying lost one game to Japan that whole time. And so I tend to think like, whilst, yeah, there's the element of like, well, we didn't win the bronze medal because we weren't there doing it. And so I don't put myself in the same bracket as them, but I feel like I was definitely a part of it as I think those guys were because we did a lot of the stuff. We were part of the program. We were part of the reason it's been like going the way it has over the last few years. And, and we also did a very good job in those games of winning. We didn't just, get by. We won games convincingly against tough teams with their, a lot of them had their full teams too. Like that's the other part to it. They weren't rolling out, but they were playing their full rosters against us. Yep. No, it's, like I said, to me, (laughs) to me, you're all, you're all part of it. You know, like I said, you know, you might not have been there in Tokyo, but you certainly played your part as well as these other guys that you mentioned. And, and yeah, that that's just how I view it. But but that's sort of part of the reason. Well, the the main reason actually why I wanted to get you on is with the bronze medal that that, that they won. Um, you know, I know how I felt about it. Um, you know, sitting on the couch, hence the name of the show, like the sitting on the ring, sitting on our rings podcast, because that's how we take in the games. You know, we sit on our ass, we sit in our rings, and we on the couch and watch it. Um, so I mean, you and I were sort of. Um, exchanging the odd message via Instagram and stuff in the, in the, you know, the qualifying games and, you know, when they played America and stuff. And I, you know, the game against the USA and then the the game on Saturday and everything, I I felt sick. (laughs) Like I I couldn't really eat dinner properly on Saturday evening because I was that nervous that the guys were going to finish fourth again. And I felt sick with worry about the impact it was going to have on these guys. Cause I know like, they've put so much of their blood, sweat and tears and, and lives for years to get this medal. So, and that's, that's me. That's someone who's not involved. <laughs> so for, for someone in your situation where you are involved and, and like we were just saying, you know, 
you are a part of it. How do you feel sitting there watching those games? Like, you know, the highs of all the wins and the, the lows of the America game and then, you know, the, the absolute highs of the bronze medal win at the end of it. How, how do you take all that in? Probably the same as most. I'm useless. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I felt sick basically every game as I was watching it because you just – I guess it's the same as like as yourself and a lot of people feel. You're so – you just – you want them to do so well that it makes you sick and nervous about it so you ride the play of it. And that's part of being a fan and really enjoying it. But I – um. Yeah, I'm horrible to watch those games with because I'm swearing <laughs> about this, going off about that, questioning certain things that go on, thinking why would you do that? So there's there's a whole heap of things that go through my head in games. Some mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't say, but uh, <laughs> no, it's I, fine. I just I, I do what I just watch and I just and I, I just want everyone to do well. Like I just I want you almost don't want them to ever miss a shot and. Early on, Sobs was checking in for like 30 seconds to a minute, sub out. And I just I, – sometimes I think people get caught up in, as I said earlier, what other people will say about it. Mm-hmm. And I remember just thinking just like – and I think I even sent Sobs a message just saying, mate, good job today. Yep. And and part of him probably was like, mate, I played a minute and that was it. But I'm like, it doesn't matter because you're at the Olympics. So – Whatever you play, you can only play what you can in those minutes you get. And so that's why even a Chris Golding early on, like, didn't get much of a, a great look through most of it, but his time came, played good for the minutes he got. And I just – you want everyone to do so well in the minutes they get. And so I think that's part of the reason watching. I just feel sick half the time because I want them to do well and win. But, yeah, the USA game was a wave of emotions. I was, oh, mate, talk about a game of two halves. Christ. Uh, I was going off my dial and I had some of my mates messaging me saying, oh, how good's this? And I was like, nah, settle down. I yeah. Like, settle down. <laughs> I had to keep myself in check. Yeah, I was like, no, no, no. I was like, don't get carried away. This is not a team. And I just, we, we have done that at the last few, just giving up leads. But we, we were playing such good basketball that just, I think that was the that's then you get the frustrating part because you're like, oh, we were playing so well, we could have beat them, and you're like, well, yeah, you could have. But I think the Americans had a bit of a chip on their shoulder, and I, I was actually weirdly enough excited when they won for them just to see people of that stature and and how they're basically celebrities. Some of those guys, KD mm-hmm. and those, and how excited they were because a lot of them I think get around like. It's just going to be easy. We'll roll up and win. And and so to see people uh, of that nature and that high level actually be excited about it, I was like, it just showed me that, for example, we, we pushed them to a limit of like, hey, if we don't show up and play, this is not going to be good. Yep. And so I think to do that to them and then the Slovenia game, I just I wanted it to be over. I just wanted the final buzzer <laughs> to go off. And it was, it was one of those things where like it was never a comfortable enough lead until the last few minutes of that final quarter. And even then, like they started coming back a little bit and you're like, no, 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 not again, not again, not again. (laughs) Well, and they had Luca. So I just, yeah, every part of me, no matter how awful he was early on, I was like, they've got Luca. If it's a close game, I was like, this bloke can just do whatever he wants and take over and it can go from, which he did kind of a little bit late, and go from 10 points to them up four in a, a heartbeat. Yep. So I was, just, I was nervous and I just wanted it to be over. And so I think as much as there was excitement, I was just relieved at the end of the game that yeah. we'd actually done it. Well, that, that was going to be my next question is like, you know, that last sort of two or three minutes where it was like, okay, I actually I have a bit of a, a, a thing with – um. Uh, like Adam, who does the court announcing with the bullets, and and Errol, who's in charge of the cheerleaders and things like that. We have a bit of a sort of called the unofficial bullet staff in our little group chat that we have. And whenever we watch you guys play in the bullets, it gets to a point where you know there might be a minute or two left, and and I'll always message the guys and be also like mathematically, 
just dot, dot, dot. And they were like, no, don't, shut up, don't say anything. <laughs> you know, because basketball can turn so quickly. And it got to that stage where we were all like, mathematically, uh, <laughs> at the end of the Boomers game. So, um, how, like, when it was without a shadow of a doubt that they had it, um, what, what was your emotion like? I know you said you were relieved, but w- were you cheering? Were you screaming? Were you swearing? What, how were you feeling with it? No, I, I just sat there with a smile on my face. Um, nice. I was more excited throwing my hands around and jumping up and down a bit earlier in the game, especially in that mid to last quarter when we started to break away and make some shots. But I'm pretty sure for that last like minute and a half, I just sat there in silence and smiled and watched my TV. Um, <laughs> I was just happy. I was just, I was really happy to be able to sit there and watch it and I was happy for the people involved. I was happy for the people that weren't there that were involved. I was happy for people that have supported it all. Like I was happy for the yeah, Andrew Gazers and all them who love it so much and have like just have so much care for it. Uh, like Andre, I messaged Andre and Luke Longley almost as soon as the buzzer finished and just said, like as much as I was very happy for Gorge and the coaching staff that were there. Like uh, Dre Longley and Will Weaver, who'd been mm-hmm. part of it for the last six, seven, eight years, and and done so well with the program and got it to where it was. I just I would have loved also seeing them just on the sideline with Gorge, if you want to put it that way. Just yeah. just so they were there for it. I just I was I was just very happy for people like that who have, won't get really they won't talk about it as much. But I, I just don't think they're the in the position they are without people like that who just what knew that we could be better than what we were. Yeah. I, I have a lot of time and respect for Dre. I think, I think he's awesome. So that's, that's lovely to hear that you shot him a message. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's lovely to hear. Like, and you mentioned Andrew Gaze. Uh, did, did you shed a tear with when watching Gazy <laughs> like openly weep on live television? Because a lot of fans I've spoken to are all like, man, I, I was, I couldn't help it. I just, the tears welled up watching Andrew Gaze talk about what it meant to him for them to finally win that Olympic medal? I've always said, because obviously I played for Drewy, I've known him since I was a kid, and people always ask me, like, oh, what's it like playing for Drewy? What's he like? And I'm like, there's not many people. There's a few. But I'm like, genuinely, what you see on TV, which showed in this moment, is exactly who he is. Like, he's not not different when the camera's on and then when the camera's off, he's all quiet to himself. He's the exact same person, whether it's on camera, off camera, morning, night. He's truly one of the better better guys you'll ever meet, an absolute legend. And that's in the basketball sense and in the person sense. And so yeah. I think all people saw there was just him for what he is, and that's just that was exactly it. He's an emotional man. He loves it. He carries on when he coached, he carried on like an absolute nutter sometimes, but it wasn't because <laughs> he was a nutter. It was just because he was, he loves, he loves it. He gets so excited and emotional and caught up and invested in it all. And he truthfully just wanted everyone to do well. As, as we all sat there, he wants everyone to do well. So he cares so much. And so um, I think it was a great representation of, of him as a bloke and um, how much, I guess him and his family, because his dad has done a lot for Australian basketball. Yes, for sure. It, it, yeah, that can't be understated. So it, it, it goes deep for, for Gazy. Like, I've met him personally twice um, with my volunteering role at the Bullets. Um, the first time I met him has been my favorite encounter with the, with him. It, it was after um, the game. They, they'd done the uh, – this was before you were with the, the Bullets, obviously. This was at, um, early 2017. Um, so he was coaching the Kings and, uh, I was sort of waiting around after the press conference because I just, I just wanted to meet the man, say hello and, and get a photo. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd finished my duties for the day and at the end of the day, you know, I'm a fan. <laughs> so I just wanted to meet the great Andrew Gaze and particularly being the Olympic fan, you know, his history with the Olympics yeah. and, and Sydney and stuff like that. Like I wanted to say hello and, and, you know, just tell him how, how much of a fan I was. And I was sort of just waiting to the side. And he was, I can't remember who he was talking to, but he was talking to someone, you know, private conversation. But 
you know, he'd just been in front of the camera, so then he's talking to this guy, and he's just an Aussie guy, you know? So he's like, ah, oh, you're effing this, and you see that, and effing, effing, see, effing, oh, and the, the whole oh. time. it's It was so funny, and then he sort of walked away, oh, and catch you later, you know? And then he sort of seen me realise that I was waiting to say hello to him, and it wasn't like he flicked a switch or anything, but he, I didn't need to approach him. Like, he came up to me, G'day, mate. How you going? I was, you know, oh, mate, Mr. Gaze, thank you so much. I just wanted to say hello. Is it okay if I grab a quick photo? Like, it, you know, I think he might have got Leonard Copeland to take the photo from him. I can't remember. But, um, like, yeah, it was, he was just such a lovely, genuine guy. And I really love that moment of kind of, like you said, he, he is always the same person, but even seeing just that slightly even more relaxed. You know, like not turned on in front of the camera, gazy, and and the language and stuff, which you, you know, I don't care. Um, but, but yeah, it was just so lovely to see him then come to me and just be Andrew Gaze. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually, funnily enough, I, a few people will know this, but I that few years with them, I ended up first year on the road. I'd almost hang out with Drury and Copes more than any of the boys because I love playing cards, and they them to compete over anything and everything every day of their lives <laughs> and they have for the last years. So I'd often most, especially the day before games, not as much day of game, but the night before games or when we're at the airport, we'd always play cards together. Yep. So the amount of shit talk I got involved in with those two, but I, I just I had so much fun. So cards was just kind of cards was the reason, but the, the other part was that I just, I loved hanging out with them and just talking crap. So I had a great uh, a great time with those two guys and, and Dino for a year and then Luke Kendall for the second year. It was a great coaching staff. That's great. Look, I mean, we are sort of jumping all over the place, which is which is fine, which is what I like to do with these things, just have a bit of a convo. But but you did mention your dad before, and and I, I you know I said there is Olympic pedigree in your family. Um, so your dad Rob, he he was a boomer um, and played at the '76 Games in Montreal, um, and then your mum, she was an opal. Um, and she played at the 84 games, which is the year I was born, um, in, in LA. And then of course your dad went on to coach the Opals in, um, 1988 in Seoul. Um, so there's that Olympic history and pedigree in your family. So growing up, uh, I mean, you know, your dad was obviously heavily involved with the NBL and basketball and, and you've talked about that on several podcasts, which, which the listeners can check out, but what was it like every four years in your family when the Olympics came around again with, you know, having two, two Olympians as, as your parents? Uh, it was pretty similar to every other day of our life. And that's just sitting around watching sport. Um, <laughs> no, it was, I mean, I, I've been out of home since I was young cause I went to the AIS. So, um, it, it's not like I've been home forever and ever and ever, but no, nah, a lot of, a lot of those, like anything really, basketball, Olympics, all those kind of events, world champs, whatever it was. Um, yeah, we'd always sit around, watch, talk about it. Even now, like Dad will ring me, we'll talk about the game or certain games or do you watch this, do you watch that? Like we still talk every day about basketball. I'm pretty sure my half the time he rings me, he doesn't even ask how I am. He just goes on to talk about <laughs> something else to do with basketball or whatever. So, um. No, our family, I always say to people, our Christmas dinners um, are very much a basketball conversation when we get all dad's side together because his nephew, who's my agent, was a GM and an agent for Andrew Gay, Shane Hill, or a lot of those guys. They all play. Uh, dad's brother, who's passed away now, he played and coached. Like, it's a very, uh, it's definitely a family thing. Excellent. That that that's that's good to hear. Um, speaking of your time as well in the in the green and gold of the Boomers, um, I just wanted to give a shout out to a podcast you were on recently, the Two Feet Foundation. Um, which yeah. which obviously, I mean, you, you talked a lot about um, for the listeners who who probably don't know. Um, right around the time you signed your first NBL contract, you were in a quite a severe car accident, and and honestly, like lucky to be here talking to us now. To be perfectly honest, so. You know, I I don't want to dive into that because like you've gone into to that story in depth in in that pod in other podcasts, but particularly that one. But the other reason why I wanted to give it a shout out is if you want to hear Jason talk, no holds barred about um, that now infamous <laughs> um, Asian yeah. Cup qualifier. Um, check 
check check that podcast out because it, it's very interesting and, and I, I don't want to rehash anything because I, I honestly don't think you'll be able to tell the story as good again as you did on that podcast. So for the listeners who know what I'm talking about, um, the, the Australia v Philippines um, Asian Cup qualifier, go and check out the episode that Jason's on of the Two Feet Foundation podcast because it is well worth your time and you will not be disappointed. Um, so, but moving on with your time in the green and gold, you, you mentioned the Commonwealth Games. Now, um, that that kind of works into to our podcast as well, even though we're, we're primarily Olympic-based, but we, we talk about the Com Games a lot being, you know, in Australia. Um, and, and with the last games being so close to, to Brisbane as well in, on the Gold Coast. So I've seen you play as, you know, in the Boomer squad three times personally um, at the Com Games. And I, I saw the semi-final match and I also saw the gold medal match. And then twice mm-hmm. um, in February last year against New Zealand and Hong Kong in the Asian Cup qualifier games, which... I think only one of them was supposed to be played in Brisbane, but then they at the eleventh hour changed the second one to be Brisbane as well for the this little thing called COVID that people were starting to be a bit yeah. concerned about. So, you know, what yeah. a simpler time that was. But uh so I really want to talk about the Com game. So you said you, you gave up the chance to play in Slovenia to be a part of that team. Um what was that environment like, like in the athletes' village, the the camp leading up to it and, um, and, and being coached under Dre. Um, it was cool. It was very different. So like I spoke about the Asian cup before that was very much like just us on the road tournament. Like it was, it was very different. Um, where the com games was kind of, we weren't actually part of the, like the village and everything until the back end. Yeah, because you played up in Cairns and Townsville, didn't you? Yeah, so we were in Cairns. So we didn't have any camp. So we finished our season. Um, We did not make the play. We just missed out on the playoffs that year. You were still in Sydney. That was your last year in Sydney, yeah. We didn't make the playoffs. And so we had like a month to when the com game started and basically from memory melbourne united won so chris and yeah it was just chris he got in like three days two days before we started i think and we had got there maybe four or five days early so we only trained together as a group the three or four four days leading into that first game yep um but yeah, the whole it was a great experience. It was very cool. Like a lot of the reason I did it was because I thought, what a great chance to win a gold medal in a in a Commonwealth Games at home. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not basketball is very rarely in it these days. Um, so the chance to just play in a games at home for me was very exciting. And Cairns was cool. The crowd was great. Um, we just it, it felt like a road trip though. We were just at the same hotel we normally stayed at. <laughs> Um, it just felt like we were in Cairns for an extended period of time, basically. And yeah. then once we got down to the village, it was cool. Like, um, because there was a gap, because we finished first in our pool, there was a gap until we played our semi. I think we missed the quarters or something. Yeah. So I think we so. had like, I want to say four or five days before our game, uh, between games, where we flew down, got in the village, we trained throughout, but we were able to to get around the village a little bit and hang out with like some of the other people, like, cause we hadn't seen the women's team who a lot of us were friends with and, mm-hmm. and so on. So the experience was very cool. Um, it was awesome to play at the convention center again, at a stadium I played in my first few years. Of course. Yeah. Uh, the cra- like, yeah, just the, the whole experience. Um, we were all pumped, although we would have liked to have beat him in the final, but when New Zealand lost that, semi-final we were all cheering because we we just knew we'd won um (laughs) and so just the whole experience was awesome it was a great group of guys and and like i said it was kind of the same very similar to the group we had the year before in the asia cup and the camp that carried over over these last three or four years and um yeah a great experience um really good fun and just i was very happy that we're able to get a gold medal and and I was able to do it on home soil. 
That's awesome, mate. Actually, my, my co-host who isn't on here because he's not much of a basketball guy, he did have one question though, and he said it's something he's, he's often wondered with, with a lot of medalists. Um, so your Com Games gold medal, where do you keep it? Like, is it at the family home? Do you have it somewhere? Do you have it, you know, like stored away somewhere? Where do you, where do you, do you pull it out occasionally? Have a look where, what's the story with your medal? Um, <laughs> would it be bad if I said, I actually don't know where it is? <laughs> <laughs> at least you'd be honest. <laughs> I, I think it's upstairs in, um, in a drawer. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I don't, yeah. Well, I obviously just showed and told everyone that I don't really check on it much, obviously, but <laughs> I have, um, it's kind of hard because I do have a mix of stuff at home mm-hmm. with my family and I've got a mix of stuff up here too. So like there's a lot and it's hard that I'm not really, I've got a few really cool awards that I'm pretty proud of, but a lot of them are just tucked away at the moment. It might be a down the track thing to get them out, but I've got my own house, but I, um, yeah, I, I don't pull them out all the time because I do have an awesome – actually, we finished second at the World Junior Games, and that was basically the closest thing I've been to that was like an Olympics full village, like the whole thing. Dre said it was basically at the time a better village than London or whatever he said. I mean, he oh, said wow. something along those lines. It was it was the setup of it. And so I've got some cool medals and trophies along the way. But, um, yeah, the, the Com Games one and the uh, – Fever Asia cut one. I'm pretty sure they're sitting upstairs in um, one of my drawers. Excellent. But there, there is a question I have about the Com Games overall. And it, look, it's it's something that I've always assumed. And I know what they say about assuming stuff. Um, but that time in that camp or, you know, that, you know, the village or whatever, with being coached under Dre and things like that, is that what led you to becoming a bullet? <laughs> Uh, and not not just yeah, you, was, not just you either. I mean, like Sobes eventually, and I think at that point, I don't think Glids had played for the Bullets either. Like to me, on the outside, there just seemed to be a lot of that Boomer squad who, not long after the games in the off season, you know, every other week was like, "Oh, this person signed. Oh, this per- oh Jason signed. What are the odds?" Like, I just I've always yeah. been curious that you know, getting to meet Dre and, and coach, you know be coached by him and everything. And I just, I've always wondered if that was, if that was sort of the catalyst to getting a few of you guys to Brisbane. Yeah, it was part of it. I mean, uh, big drop wreath just signed with the Wollongong and gorgeous, conveniently the coach, but um, <laughs> I think, no, it was part of it, but I think uh, that was just the timing thing where it worked out. Com games was on. And then we'd spent like, we'd spent a lot of that last, two years together playing in the Asia Cup camps, the common games, I think maybe a, a qualifying window or two in between that. And so that period outside our um, uh, NBL teams at the time, we'd spent a lot of time together. We actually talked about that Boomers team being almost like your second club because we were together every two, three months for two or three weeks. Yep. And so – Brisbane and actually when they first came back in the league, Brisbane recruited Dre tried to get me. Oh, really? And, yeah, and I actually left. So I was down at Bankstown Basketball Stadium where I grew up playing. I left that stadium talking to my dad, thinking I was I basically was moving I thought I was going to Brisbane. I was like, Yep, okay, that yep, sounds good. By the time I got home to where I was living in Zetlands, I was staying with the Kings. So, like, that's kind of how close it was. And then I had to ring Dre and tell him I wasn't coming, which was actually one of the hardest conversations I've ever had because I had so much respect for Dre. And I really enjoyed the experiences I had playing for him in the national team. And Mm so a lot of people went the other way with it and go, oh, they're only with – they're only going to the Bullets because they want to make the national team. And I actually think it's not – I actually think it hurts you playing for the national team coach because he sees you every day. Yep. So sometimes I think people get confused. It can actually give you the reverse effect because he sees you so much that maybe he loses the little bit that he, he had for you or what he thought differently. He now sees in a new light. He's around you so much. It's a different kind of bond, if that makes sense. So a lot of us didn't – I know for a fact, a few of us, we didn't sign because – 
Dre was the coach and we wanted to make the national team. We signed because a few of us had – I know Clizzo spoke to me when that before that or around the Commonwealth Games or just after. I think Fran, he started kind of during or just after. I forget. Mm-hmm. And um, Clizzo had spoke to me about, oh, would I think about going to Brisbane? What am I doing? Blah, blah, blah. And then Hodgie actually gave me the same call – not long after Hodgie wasn't at the comm game. So a few people would rang me and ask kind of what I was doing. I asked what they were doing. And so we all kind of in a way together had a conversation and it kind of just led to that. But it, it definitely wasn't, I think the thing is it definitely wasn't because Dre was a national team coach and oh, no. we thought that was in. Yeah, I, I'm not saying you're saying that, but I'm saying that's the perception. Oh Yeah, no, you, think, you are. You're right though. I, I have heard that myself. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, and I've heard it, and I get it. That that can be the perception. Oh, it, make, it makes fine. sense, yeah. <laughs> but I think what people don't understand is that the actual the actual reason is there are so many good experiences we've had with the national team that I've spoke about throughout the years. I had I've been to three tournaments with Dre that are worldwide or Asia's or whatever it was, and we won a medal. And so I've had very good experiences with him prior. All the groups had a lot of fun, and we often spoke about, imagine if we could just roll out with this team in the NBL. Obviously, it couldn't be done <laughs> with salary caps, but we thought no imports or whatever, and we are like, that would be pretty cool to see how we went. And so there was just there was that bond and that, that enjoyment in playing basketball that it kind of led to a few phone calls between each other. Yep. And then saying, all right, well, yeah, I'm, I'm in, you're in, yeah, okay, cool, let's do it. And so that's kind of how it – we all ended up going at the one time, if that makes sense, because there was phone calls between each other trying to figure out what was doing, who was going, and so on. So I think that's why it all happened at once. But, um, yeah, I think people get that, that reasoning confused as to thinking <laughs> it was because Dre was the head coach and whatever, but it was actually because we just really enjoyed playing for Dre. That's yeah, that that's sort of what I gather, but I just thought the timing with the com games and stuff, I'm like, oh, I wonder if there was like there were conversations had during during the time on the Gold Coast. But that that that, that was a great answer. Um speaking of the bullets, um and also, you know, obviously larger picture, the the um the Olympics and the bronze medal, um, uh, we've mentioned Nathan Sobey a couple of times. Um, now Sobes plays with you at the Bullets, obviously, um, and it's it's sort of documented, but <laughs> I don't think it was ever official. You know, like Nathan missed out on the original, like the initial um, squad that was named for the Olympics, um, and and there was never anything, like I said, sort of I don't think that sort of came out in the media that he wasn't happy about it, or but you could tell. I mean, his his game, which was already brilliant, stepped up like another 10 notches um, and, and he played his ass off this last season to the point where they couldn't ignore him. Um, he had to be included. I mean, everyone in, in basketball press was talking about it, that, you know, he, he had to be included in that team. Now, obviously I don't, I don't want you to speak on his behalf. I don't want you to say anything that, you know, was, was private that, that shouldn't be said or anything, but in terms of the bullet squad, was it kind of known, like, did he at any point say, look, I'm going to make that team? You know, was was it a deliberate thing that he did? Or um, was it just, she just sort of was like, well, screw it, and then played his ass off and, and they couldn't ignore him anymore? Was it a conscious effort, do you know? Uh, I don't think he would say it, it was, but I feel like it it, it was definitely a motivator for him. Um, but it, he didn't he didn't get around angry or, or talk ill of it or, oh, this is bullshit, this sucks, like that's such crap. Like, And he might have had those thoughts in his head, mm-hmm. but he actually did a pretty good job to hide it. I think a lot of us were more on like the whole, is this serious or what? Like how does Soaps not make this <laughs> squad? Um, and once again, as I said, I kind of come to the point of like the whole, what I just said about Dre, I said, that actually doesn't mean that Sobs isn't better than half the people in that team or better than whoever you want to compare him against or whatever it is. It just might mean that Gorge doesn't really like him. Mm-hmm. And, and Gorge is the coach. Yep. And maybe the assistant coach, I don't know. But that that's what it can come down to because at the end of the day, if I was the national team head coach, 
maybe I'm not I'm picking someone that is not as good as someone else because I think you'll fit better. Maybe I like the way someone plays and I think that'll fit the way I want to play. You have to pick kind of the talent thing. Like the talent thing is what it is, and some of those guys are obviously going to make it because of who they are and whatnot. But you, you got to pick on what you can coach and how it fits into how you want it to play. And so I think. Sobs might have just been initially a bit of that, and I think that doesn't represent him as a bad player or anything like that. And I think once I try to say that to him a little bit, and I think like even I think Dre was pretty disappointed with it and stuff like that. But I think Sobs instead of maybe what he might have done a few years ago of going the I'm angry, this is shit. He just went the whole like right, oh cool. He's a thirty piece. He's twenty and ten. He's thirty. He's 25 and just played and was having fun and just relaxed. I don't think he was as tense last year as what he has been in years past. Yeah. I've said before in interviews, it might have been the most comfortable I've seen Nathan in ever since I've, I've known him for a while now. And I think for the first time maybe last year, yeah, he was just happy to be Nathan Sobey. And he was happy to just – he was comfortable within himself. And I think when people get in that headspace, I think a lot of people think they're that, but they're actually worried about what someone thinks or I'm better than this bloke or I'm better than that guy and, and getting that way of trying to compete in different ways rather than just being like, you know what, I'm a good basketball player. I'm comfortable with where I'm at. I'm not – I'm just going to be myself. And I think he got into that headspace and I actually think it worked out so well for him and that led to – the things that followed and getting to where he should have been initially in the squad. Yeah. And then that also led to, from what I've heard, him having a great camp over there and basically giving him no no choice but to select him. Yep. Which, you know, look, it, it's funny because as a Bullets fan, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was like everyone else. I was like, how the hell, like, how is he not in this squad? You know, I mean, my, my mum watches, the, you know, she's not into it like, like, I am, but like she watches the games and even she would message me, you know, I'd be sitting on the sideline <laughs> doing my volunteer role and my phone would go off and it'd be mum and Sobes would have just done something. She'd be like, how is he not on the boom squad? <laughs> so I mean, you know, yeah. it, it, it got to that well, level, like everyone was talking about it. So, so that part of me as a Bullets fan was really disappointed for him. But then that part of me of the Bullets fan, given how he reacted to not being selected was like, Shit, they should leave him off more often, like <laughs> you know, because he just he did excel to that next level, and he he was an absolute joy to watch that that last season. So, yeah, it was it was yeah, really I, interesting. It's, it's a cool story, and that's what it was kind of the thing. Like, I guess as as a as an athlete and a player, you wanna you wanna play. You just wanna play, and you wanna do well, and you wanna help, and feel like you're contributing. And I felt like I think he was still overall happy. But I, I, you always want to play a bit more, and I could, I could. He never said it, but I, I could sense it a little bit because I know what he's like. He's so competitive that he just wants to be on the floor and playing. And so I just messaged him during the Olympics, and I just was kind of like, "Mate, you're at the Olympics. Just enjoy it." And I don't even know if he was annoyed or whatever. And I highly doubt he was, but I just think the whole way he ended up in that team and and what he did to get there and how he went about it, I think that just was a great representation of how he's matured over the years and it was also showed how hard he works. He's one of the hardest workers I've ever been around, yeah. sometimes almost too much, and I think it was pretty cool to see him just to make it. And then he actually ended up over the course of it playing some pretty valuable minutes. And he did. Um, he did a pretty good job the whole time, actually. Even if he played 30 seconds to five minutes, he actually did a pretty good job. All, all our NBL guys, because, um, I mean, I know, I know the NBA guys, you know, in this sort of thing, particularly with the the media who don't normally talk basketball, they seem to get all the glory. But there was one game there, I think, like four of the five players on the court were all NBL players, and they they were holding their own. They were doing fantastically well. You know, like Goulding and, and Sobes and stuff. Yeah. Like, it's always going to be part of it, and I think that's the thing. Like, I went to that World Cup camp. When was it? Two years ago, and. A lot of people, how did this guy not make it? How did this guy not make it? He's in the NBA, he's this. But I'm just like, a lot of people don't see what happens behind closed doors. And I always use the reference now, not for the elite, elite people, but 
We could go down a Nissan Arena right now. You could not know a thing about basketball, and I could put, I could choose ten players to go and do a scrimmage, mixed NBA and NBL. Now I'm not saying you Kevin Durant and stuff, but <laughs> you could mix a bunch of guys, put them on a court, and I could guarantee you, your regular punter wouldn't be able to pick out which players were which. Yep, I, I don't one, disagree with maybe that. Maybe one or two, maybe one or two, they'd be like, oh, he's definitely. He'd be like, yep, fair enough. But there'd be a bunch. They'd be, what about him? You'd be like, no. Nope. What about him? No. Nope. And I think that just shows how uh, strong the NBL has become. Um, it, and it's a great representation in that setting when you got your Nick Kays and your Sobes, Goulding, all these people just doing very, very well and fitting into that environment perfectly. Sometimes it's not about standing out. It's just about how you fit in. Yeah. I mean, you, we mentioned Goulding. <laughs> I mean this in the most respectful way. Um, I never met the man. You know, I've Aside from the odd interaction when I'm on the sidelines doing my thing for the Bullets games, but like, um, can't stand him playing in the NBL. Oh, I cannot stand him. But when he puts on the green and gold, love the man. <laughs> but that's that sport, you know what I mean? Like, but you know, I genuinely do. I mean, I, I he's a fantastic player and stuff. But you know, because he's not a bullet, Christ, he shits me. <laughs> but at the same time, like I said, he puts on the green and gold, and I, I love the man. <laughs> I'm sure uh, you're not alone in that, and I often I often say to people that the bubbles you get playing for United is very different from the bubbles you get uh, playing for the Boomers. Um, but no, he's a very good basketball player, and in that environment, he's uh, he's actually very good to play with because he a lot of people just see him for being a scorer and shooting lots of shots, but he actually passes really well, talks really well, and. Um, no, no, in those settings, he, he's very, very good at, at, and he's worked out his, his niche with that group and that, that, um, those kind of guys. And sometimes, as I said before, it's not, it's not about standing out. It's about how you fit in, um, with those NBA guys, your main guys, your Patty and Joe and so on. And, uh, Bubbles compliments them perfect because he doesn't need the ball. And when he gets it, he can normally make a play or, make the right decision, and sometimes that's what it's all about. Mate, to the point in some of those games in Tokyo, I was screaming at the TV for them to pass the ball to Goulding. Like, there was there was a number – I might have even been in the last last game on, on Saturday night. There was a quite a few occasions where he's open in the corner on the left-hand side, and it might have been Paddy or Jingles, whoever, like, are playing it up the middle – no one's marking Goulding. I'm like, Goulding's open. He's there. <laughs> like, he's money. But, like, it's so funny. I mean, I was screaming at the TV a couple of times when he got subbed out after he made a shot. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Look, mate, I, I'll start to wrap things up. This has been a really lovely conversation. Thank you for being so candid. It, it, it's been wonderful. So, um, I mean, yeah, like I, I mentioned before, like, there's been several podcasts you've been on lately. Um, you've been very gracious with your time. If people want to hear more about you know, you're growing up in the NBL and things like that. They can they can check out those shows. But mate, thank you so much for for the time you've you've given us tonight. It's been it's been very interesting and and eye opening and yeah, great to hear. You know your perspective on on what was a, a terrific win and like I said, bringing it full circle. Like it's been a hell of a week. Well, it's been a hell of a, a three weeks actually with the lead up. You know, with Tokyo and everything as well. But since I've had that medal, it's you know I've been wearing my Boomers jersey with even more pride than I ordinarily would and. You know, like I said, I, I can't wait to see you in the green and gold again one day because it, it will happen. And um, hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll be in the crowd there somewhere if they're being played in Brisbane. And you said before you're only 30, like, mate, you might even be able to push on to 2032. Who knows? I highly doubt it. <laughs> I think I'll be happily, hopefully, sitting there as a, uh, a supporter, maybe even part of the coaching staff. I was who just knows? about but, to say uh, coaching staff because it's all, and, and, and as someone who who's at all the Bullets home games, well, majority of i have to miss some of them for family reasons and stuff but you know like andrea said it like when you're on the court it's like having an, an extra coach on the you know on the court playing the game so you just from my point of view personally as, as a fan of, of you and the bullets like the last few years it's been a, a joy to watch you and i was thrilled when the news came out that you'd signed for another two seasons because if with everyone leaving and the with all the everything that's happened in the off season at the bullets um you know, with my friends and, and my, my Bullets crew and stuff, I've been, I don't care. What, I just want Kadita to stay. I want Kadita to stay. <laughs> and, and thankfully he did. So that, that made my off season. I can't wait for the, 
the upcoming seasons to to watch you play and see how we go with this new team and coaching staff and everything else. Yeah, no, it's very different. I appreciate that, but um, no, I'm I'm excited that Brisbane's become home and. I have a lot of love for the Bullets and the people I've met around the Bullets. I think we've got a lot of great people around the club being fans, supporters, volunteers, whatever it is. And so um, definitely a bit of a shake-up, a bit of uh, new stuff going on. But I, I think it's not too far from what we're all used to and um, sometimes some fresh faces can be good as well. So no, I'm really looking forward to the season and just hoping that we can get uh, on top of this pandemic that we're still going through. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, it can play out in our favour so we can have a good season and and enjoy being around fans again and not having to hide from everyone like we did last year. Yeah, exactly. Well, mate, thank you very much again for joining us. Um, if you want to give a shout-out to your socials, if people want to give you a follow, where can they find you? Um, I think everything is just Jason Kitty 5 so Instagram, Twitter, um, whatever it is, feel free to send me a message. I'm normally pretty good at replying sometimes. Uh worse than others but yeah if you want to hit me up feel free um appreciate you having me no worries mate thanks for joining us cheers mate thank you well there we have it how about that (laughs) i there's not even much i can say in terms of uh wrapping up this episode except again a massive thank you to jason kadee for joining us um that was a really really great conversation and very very candid and I'm, i'm very thankful for his time and uh Wow. <laughs> like I said, there's not much else I can say. What an episode. Um, thank you for listening. Um, next episode, Trent will be back, so you'll get your, your regular hello, Trent. Um, I'm hoping to, to record an episode again. You guys know the regular listeners with, with the bub in the family now and everything and just scheduling in general. It, it's the kryptonite of a, of a podcaster, but I am hoping to get Trent back and do a bit of a wrap-up of, um, of, of Tokyo and have Andrew back on to get his thoughts on the closing ceremony. So keep your ears peeled and eyes peeled to the socials. There'll be some more more episodes coming. But uh, until we speak again, um, once again, thanks so much to Jason Kadee. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep that Olympic flame alight. See you guys.